gas and their voice goes really Argon. Low. Yeah. Argon's yeah. a much heavier gas. Yeah, that's what you sound like. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, um, I guess we should probably start the show. Probably. Hello and welcome to the Wheelie Good Times podcast. This is episode six. I am your host, Tom. And I'm Kong. And today we are doing the Wheelie Good Times podcast. We are indeed. I think I've nailed and I'm Kong. I think I've got that down to a T, to be honest. I think, I think you, you, yeah. I mean, you've, you've learnt your name very well. Oh, so yeah. well done. Yeah, thank you. Well done. Now, this week, I think we're going to be a bit shorter and snappier. We both got a few time commitments. You've always been ramping up things at work. I've got some other stuff going on at work as well. So uh, we're going to be a bit snappier, but we're going, to, we're going to still pack it full of lots of info and fun. Isn't that right? Yeah, and unfortunately, there has been a death in the family, so... That has, you know, stopped things a little bit. Has it really? The royal family. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know Prince Philip liked motorbikes? Did he actually? Yeah, Prince Philip was... Well, I mean, there's like a picture of him on like a little fat, tired off-road thing. Um, but, you know... Yeah, I watched The Crown not long ago. I don't know if he was like massively thought, into bikes. I thought uh, Matt Smith portrayed him great in The Crown. So, did you? Did yeah. you know that uh, William and Harry are into motorbikes? I did not know that. No. Yeah. So uh, there's some quite good pictures. I mean, of uh, Harry on Ducatis. Oh. And I think they're both into Triumphs as well, William and Harry. So they should be. So, yeah. So yeah, so uh, there's there's a picture of him on an 1198S, a Ducati 1198S Corsa Evo SE. It was very nice. Got a 1090R Bayless replica, another 1198S. He also had a Super Blackbird. Oh. Yeah, just to go for a couple of other walls. Yeah, your Queenie, she was into bikes for a little bit. Very good. Back in the day. Very good. Uh, she that had a, a military bike. Yeah, Royal Enfield 250 or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Prince yeah. Albert, he was into his bikes. I mean, they were like... I, I couldn't, they were more motorised bicycles. Bike. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. And I've, I've my research stopped there, really. Yeah. Nice. Well, we'll... So, um, we'll should, we go, just... um, should we change from uh, royalties on bikes to bikey and royalty and talk about the MotoGP instead? We shall indeed. We're just going to briefly touch on the MotoGP. Uh, it was the first time Mark Marquez has played, played, has raced this season. Uh, it was my first time ever watching him live. Was it a letdown? Uh, not really. I mean, you can't expect him to come back and do wonderful things. Um, there was a part of me that was like, oh, he's been hyped up so much. I really want to see how great he was. And then he kind of slipped down. A little bit. That's the problem. Like, like oh. you're, you're gonna, you'll have, you have Marquez in your head. It's like when people spoke of him, he's like an alien. He can do things that no other person does. He rides like he's about to crash, and you know he crashes. And he gets and a sore hand. Gets oh. back up, and he makes people look at you know. And actually, he's come back. He's on recovery. It's a track he's never ridden before. He hasn't been on a GP bike for like nine months. He's got an injury. So seeing him like that, I thought from seeing how he used to ride to now. I thought he did very, very well considering all those factors. I thought his qualifying was very good. He actually stuck himself on fastest time on one of the free practice sessions. I can't remember which one. 
and then he ended up qualifying in third place. So he did very, very well. Yeah, he I did. Think it was, I think it was up for, I can't remember how long it was. So he finished seventh. He got off to I a think, good start. Yeah. He got off to a really mm-hmm. good start. He gained a few places. And then there was a moment where he tried an overtake and he kind of clipped the back of, mm. of, of someone. And then that's when he just kind of like... Stood him up. Yeah, yeah, lost a few. And then he couldn't really get back on track, really. Like you said, you know, it was just trying to... Obviously, he's in a lot of pain. Just trying and basically make... Get through the race, really. Yeah. Uh, the God. Is, which is, I thought was very good. The God Finales, the first guy to win when I was watching... He finished. <laughs> he, he finished quite low, didn't he? He, he had a bit of a shocker. He would have finished. You know who came one place in front of him, though? Uh, Takaki Nakagami. No, why did I say Bagnai? He was like second. Takaki, Takaki Nakagami. Yep. That's good for Takaki. I think that's a point scoring position as well. I have been screaming his name since the beginning of the podcast. I said, yeah. Takaki Nakagami, I don't know why, but his little smiley face in the picture said, that guy's a winner. And, yeah. you know, maybe next season. <laughs> There's still <laughs> loads of races left to go, you know. Yeah, I can't see it happening, to be honest. Yeah. I thought I thought it was a nice race. Portimao, very interesting track. First time we saw it was last year on the calendar because it's a, uh, it was like a stand-in track, not somewhere that the MotoGP usually goes to. Obviously, with COVID travel restrictions, they kept it very local in Europe instead of going all over the world like they normally do. So, uh, MotoGP in Portimao, I think it was supposed, it was actually a reserve track for this year, along with Russia and somewhere else. And then they ended up just ditching that idea and put this one on the calendar, which I think was awesome. I think it's a really cool track. I really like like it. It's got those undulations. I really like the elevation of it. It goes mm, up and it's down. It's really cool. And there's that like roller coaster bit where they like yeah. come over the crest. That's really cool. But yeah. um, I think did... it as well, a lot of those downhill bits, because it's got so many undulations, caught people out. It stumped some of, of the pin... Ducati speed there was, there as well. Were, there were no big crashes. There were there. Little slips. There's a lot of like front ends just going. So, But there was a big um, amount. A big amount. A big amount. So, so this is who you had. You had Jack Miller yep. and Rossi. Rins, absolutely gutted for Rins, because he was oh, doing so yeah. well to stick onto the back of Quartararo. He went, yeah, that was and then you had Zarco behind him a lap later. <laughs> he did the exact same thing, front end tucked. He went as well. And then oh, Oliveira. Quartararo must have seen it like, ah, oh, you beauty, you absolute beauty. I think I had it down. It's something like 4.5 seconds when Zarco crashed. He left when both of them crashed out, yeah. 4.5 seconds, and he, he must have been loving it. He would have, he would have just, he was very, very good in that race. I think he, that was it. He was, he started on pole, dropped into sixth after the first lap. Um, again, you can see the Ducatis flying past on the straights again. Uh, you know, getting that jump off the line was really good. Worked his way back up to first by lap nine. And like you said, that was, that was the rest of the race. And out in the front, just doing what he does, getting to a rhythm. Just chilling. Well, not chilling, but you know. Yeah, well, he did drop a second in one of one of the last laps. They said, "Oh, just They said, said, "Oh, yeah, you can tell he's he's taken a bit easier. He's dropped a second." I was like, "A second? What's in a second? Well, a lot is in a second, actually." Mm, When it comes to racing, that's a lot. 
One of the previous There's, races we watched. I, thought, was... I just want to put something out here because Oliveira, sorry, I thought he was um, well done him because he crashed out, got back on his bike and then carried on. Yeah, I saw that. That was pretty cool. Yeah, he finished, he finished like an entire lap behind everyone, but, you know, fair play for getting back on your bike and getting some time on the bike. Mm. Well, there's no medals for taking part, is there? So you may as well have just called it a day. No. Go on then. So how many points did you get on your fantasy league this week? Uh, not as many as you, unfortunately. No. I was. I was one point behind you after qualifying. And Wait. after the race, <laughs> I'm now about 40 points behind. Yeah. I think I got 103 overall. Hey, do you want to know what my rank is on the uh, United Kingdom official? What? Uh, well, it actually goes with today's date. 420. Oh, if you're American. Yeah. 420 if you're American. Well, if you know, is, you know. That, if you're uh, up in Hyde Park today, you know. Yeah. I don't Oh, did you know you can things. use boosts as well? So you can double your riders' points. Yeah, I do know that, but I was waiting to see if there was another double track so I could see if um, oh. whoever have did you already well on the used first, one, I'll boost up. No, 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 no. I haven't, oh. I haven't used any I have yet. not used one as well. I'm too scared. I'm going to wait till the end, to be honest, I think. I'm going to try and get some last-ditch points then. Yeah, but there was. Yeah. There was a lot of crashes this week on MotoGP, and that brings us into the kind of theme of our podcast this week is... The kind of not so nice stuff about riding a motorbike, the crashes. What what can go wrong? Not just not just crashing out, but what can go wrong on your bike? Like what has happened to myself and Thomas? Thomas has been riding for many more years and has Thomas. had many more Thomas accidents and mishaps than me. Um, take from that what you will. Uh, maybe I'm just a better rider. Who knows? Also, why don't you call me Thomas like four times? <laughs> oh, sorry, Tom does moto. Um, so right. I think I'll kick off with my my. First... I was going to say, do you want to go? Do you want to go first? Because I think that uh, you having less will will run out a lot quicker than me. So I think you you kick us off. Go on. So the first ever thing that was a problem with my motorbike was my chain. I went for a driving theory test. I failed it, and and I think the bike, on the way back, the bike was making very funny noises, and I thought, the bike is mad at me for going for a driving theory test, and the chain come off. So that was a bit annoying. I had to push the bike all the way back to my house, and, yeah, that was, that was an annoying situation. But mm. that was the first kind of mishap thing that had gone wrong. And then the next one, so... Last year, maybe last October, I come in, I, I turn into a road. There's a van and he's, he's driving very slow and very annoyingly. And it was just on a corner, so I couldn't overtake him. So I just, I just sat behind and, you know, just waited. And then he stopped. So I stopped. I thought, what is this guy doing? And then all of a sudden he starts reversing. And I'm like, surely he knows I'm here. You know, there, there, was, there was quite a good distance between us. I'm like, surely he knows I'm here. And he wasn't stopping. So at that point, I thought, hmm, I don't think he does know I'm here. So I started honking my horn and trying to pedal back. As I'm honking my horn, I'm going, stop, stop. And I just see the, the back end of the van crush my front end of the bike. It's very demoralizing. In the end, I'm banging on the back of the van. 
and that's what got him to stop. He stopped. Uh, he drove forward. I got out, launched the helmet off, started, you know, shouting. Effing and jeffing, giving uh, him what for. Yeah. And, 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 and as he'd pulled off, because my front wheel was lodged underneath his van, as it pulled off, um, my bike kind of jutted forward and my bike's only a Grom, so it's very small. So as it kind of jumps forward and, and starts going down, I obviously then just hopped off the bike and I just stood up and the bike hit the floor. So that was, got a few scratches from that. Um, yeah, the man was like, oh, I didn't see you. I was like, yeah, well, no, no shit, mate. If you, if you saw me, I didn't think you'd do it. Like, it's not really a good excuse, is it? Oh, I didn't see you. you know, look harder. Also, I had my horn pressed down and I was shouting at you. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those things. I decided so, to go through the insurance company. It's my first ever kind of accident. Um, there was a like my there's my tower my tire was a bit gouged. Um, my front mud guard. Do you finger, wish you didn't go through the insurance company? A hundred percent. So then I, what did, I think I'm pretty sure I told you. Just get a cash figure. Go to Honda, get a price and get a cash figure of what, well, how much it would cost to repair. Do you wish you'd well, done that? No. You don't wish. You uh, well, that. well, uh, half and half. Looking back on it, I wish I'd done it because the insurance company messed me around so much and it was terrible. However, at that moment, I don't wish I did it because when I spoke to the guy on the phone, he's uh, the because it was a it was a plumbing company, and the owner of the company, not the man driving the van, the owner called me up because I gave him my details. He called me up and he was saying. Uh, I don't really want to go through insurance because our excess is 400 quid and it probably won't even cost 400 quid to fix. I was like, uh, I think it might cost a bit more than 400 quid. I need a new front tyre, uh, a new a new fender, uh, a new front mudguard even. Um, the casing to my headlight was all cracked um, and all that jazz. So I said, you know, it, it might cost a bit more. And then he started going off on one and saying well, why couldn't he see you, you know, it was your fault and all this sort of stuff. At that point, I said, you know what, I don't I don't want to deal with this guy who probably messed me about. That's why I went through the insurance company instead because he was, he was messing me about a bit. Yeah, no, I, I understand why he did it. But I think now that you've gone through that process, you'll never know. Never again. Maybe, well, not never again, but maybe next time. I don't think that settling in cash works every time like settling outside of insurance works every time. There are circumstances where that doesn't work. But I think in some low uh, speed kind of things, I think you can you could definitely, like, not low speed, but low injury, if you like. Yeah. So if somebody knocks you off and it's slow and you fall over and they're willing to accept and will pay whatever because they don't want to go for insurance, happy days, mate. Ring everything up at OEM prices. Add in some labour charges. There you go. Thank you very much. Because that money is actually not worth the inconvenience them to go for insurance, and probably to be fair, not worth your inconvenience to go for insurance as well. Yeah, they, it was unless unless it's out and out clearly not your fault, they can be an absolute ball ache to deal with. Yeah, uh, that's not that's not for everyone. Like it, it really does depend on what insurance company you get. Some of them are really nice, really lovely, and are very helpful. But sometimes, if you can avoid it, sometimes it's just nice just to go, oh, screw it. I'll yeah, do it. So you can sometimes make a few quid on it as well. Insurance co- company calls me up and says, we'll give you a higher bike. I said, great news. All being paid for by you know the other person's insurance because oh, I'm now without a bike. 
And I've been driving, I've been riding for a year at this point, and I'd never had any kind of crashes or anything. I'd never dropped the bike or, or anything like that. There was one incident, which I'll get to in a bit. But, um, but yeah, so everything's going fine. I had that for about two and a half months. I think it was a Yamaha YS125. It was all right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I didn't really like it that much, but it was okay. It did the job. And it. I was going along the road one day and it was a very cold morning. I'm not sure if it was ice or oil on the road, but I was slowing down, just a routine, 30 miles an hour, slowing down to get to the roundabout. And as I'm slowing down, the the back tire just came out from underneath me. I slid across the road, uh, went a little bit underneath the car in front. Uh, No one stopped to help me. I picked the bike up, took it onto the pavement. No one stopped. There was a bit of a queue. No one stopped to help me. I was like, oh, great. Thanks a lot. I'd really hurt my hand at this point. I wasn't sure if it was broken or not, but it was in a lot of pain. Um, The handlebars were bent. Uh, One of the handlebars was almost at a right angle. Um, So that was the the left-hand side. So where the clutch is, that handlebar was bent, pointing towards my body, um, which is never a good situation. All the foot pegs were broke. There was scratches all up here. It was, you know, it was a bit of a write-off, really. Mm. Um, but it wasn't that much of a write-off because I got back on it and I rode about 25 <laughs> minutes um, to college because I'm not Limited. standing by the side of the road all day. Uh, so I drove it and it was it was one of the most uncomfortable things to ride. Um, but got my heart rate going, probably lost a, a few pounds because of it. So, you know, that's... Uh, not everything's all bad about that situation. Yeah. Anyway, it turns out the excess on that was 750 quid. So basically all the money I got to fix my own bike from that insurance company, I paid back to the insurance company to fix their bike. <laughs> so <laughs> Bastards, mate. Bastards. Yeah, I did call up and I said, why am I paying for it? Because I wouldn't have crashed that bike. I wouldn't have had that bike if it wasn't for this other knobhead who crashed into me. They were like, yeah, but that's the rules. I was like, you didn't have to take a higher bike. I was like, you didn't have to crash into me, you know? You also didn't have to give me one, but mate, it's annoying. Like that's it. But hey, you learn from stuff like this, so that's fine. Yeah. So, you know, I've had a few on my one two five, two, two crashes on my one two five. Dropped it plenty of times. Um, First one was in a car park. Me and my friend Luke. He had a CG125 and I was on my Suzuki GN125, which doesn't really have, like, have you seen a GN125? Or do you remember my GN125? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Black with white so blue stripes. Ta- it's not, I mean, 125s aren't particularly sporty in general, but no. this definitely wasn't sporty. And like the rear tyre, <laughs> I mean, it almost had straight sidewalks. You weren't getting any big lean angles on it. It was ridiculous. So I had that, and we were going around in circles in the car park to see if we could, like, how far we could lean over. Yeah. And I, I just very quickly found the edge of the tire when that was it. <laughs> Slid out on the floor. Ouch. So that was good. So that was yeah. my first taste of, right, this is how you ride off the edge of the tire. Um, so that was quite, it was low speed. It was like, like I said, it was in the car park, and we were just literally doing circles. And I just, it wasn't like the wall of death, was it? You know? No, no, no. So that was all right. That wasn't too bad. And I was like, I was wearing full gear. I had full leathers on. So 
there was no there was no problems, no injuries there, which was all all gravy. Second time was following you and mum in the car. I remember this, yeah. And that's when it was wet. Came off a roundabout and I I don't know, I was probably going a bit too fast, turned, slid, and uh, it hit into the curb and I hit into it at the same time. So like I it went over on the right side, slid down the road, and I sort of like it went quicker than me. I started slowing down, and as it hit the curb, I hit into it. Mm-hmm. That nice. wasn't very nice, but it was fun. Got back up, found a big hill, pushed it. It was down, very snowy. Like it was very snowy around that time because I remember mm. there being a lot of uh, snow and kind of ice walls pushed up to the edge of there. Mm. It the was curb. cold and wet. Like hey, yeah. again, it was a learning learning curve. Because <laughs> yeah. it was on a curve, and that was probably about it on the one two five. Because I dropped it mainly, didn't crash it that much. I dropped. dropped I dropped my Grom once, and I wouldn't even class it as a drop because as it was going over, I just stuck my leg out, and it fell onto my leg, and none of it touched the floor. And I just nice. stood up and picked it up again because it weighs about a hundred kilos. So, is it, easy peasy. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, when it's, when it's light, it's nice and easy. Yeah, and then if it, it starts to fall I over, have... I literally just grab the handle and it comes back up again. <laughs> so the beauty of a lightweight bike. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I had a couple of other issues as well with people not stopping to help, which is nice. Yeah. So it, it's it's one of those things. I I I'm not that type of person who would who would want help. I'd actually kind of hate it if someone come up and try to talk to me and try and see if I was okay. I'd actually hate it. But it's one of those things where it's like, it would be nice if someone even just rolled down the window and was like, are you all right? And I'll just go, yeah, mm. I'm fine. Thanks, buddy. No one no one has ever done that. No. I, I had a, I came off on my first big bike, my Yamaha XJ600. Coming around a roundabout, there was a big, like, rainbow stain around the roundabout. And I sort of, I was already on it tilting over and I knew I was going too quick and it was probably, I was probably going to fall off. Uh, and this was on the roundabout, which is a junction. It's, it's basically a main junction to the M3 uh, junction four, yeah. I think it is, which is quite a busy one. Uh, Cause that obviously goes, takes people into London on a commute in town. It takes people to Camberley, Farnborough, et cetera, et cetera. So there's people going onto the motorway, people coming off the motorway, people going up into Camberley and not one of them stopped to see if I was all right. Bear in mind, I crashed in the middle of the roundabout. So people are swerving around me because my bike's in the road. I'm in the middle of the road. My initial instinct was to jump up and be like, oh, shit. So I jump up and run out onto the roundabout and nobody's stopping at all. Yeah. Traffic doesn't slow down. People just keep going on about their day like they normally would. Mate, yeah. it was just brilliant. And I just thought, well, I'm going to be here forever if I just wait. So I just, <laughs> I just walked out into the roundabout, picked my bike up and pushed it. That's it. Yeah. It's it one of these things where you need careful, you you see loads of bikers and then in the in your time of need where you where you come off and you look around you're like is there anybody on a bike because I'm mm. sure I'm sure they will at least help me push it out of the road. Yeah, they are, and that's it, mate. Nobody out. nobody stopped to ask for help. I pushed it over. I pushed it off the roundabout. Took five. Called mum. Said mum, can you meet me at Sainsbury's? Or did I? No, I can't remember. I think I said meet me at Sainsbury's and I'll try and push it to Sainsbury's. But I started it. It still it started, so I just got on it, rode to Sainsbury's, and then when I got there I assessed the damage, which was some scuffage, broken indicator, and uh that was about it really again. I was wearing full gear, so it didn't have any problems. Couldn't remember if I I didn't know if I hit my head or not, so I just replaced my helmet because I, I didn't want to risk it. 
Um, and for that bike, that was the only time I ever crashed that one. Oh, Dropped nice it again like a few times. Luxury 600, yeah, it was all right. Nice little classic. Uh, and then the SV, oh, I crashed that quite a few times. I have one thing to say about this mm-hmm. SV. So you used to wear a GoPro. Yeah. And one time I was on your computer at home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for your GoPro footage. And there's one... Oh, no, I was looking on your YouTube, on your YouTube channel, and you had on there a video of you crashing. So I click on the video. Yeah. I think it was a private Anything video. for views. I, uh, I, I click on the video, and it's just like a 16-second clip of you going down a road and then just, just giving out, and you hit the deck and you crash. Right. Yeah. As I'm watching this video, Mum's in your room doing the washing, and she looks over and she says, "Oh, I don't want to see that." I said, "That's Tom." She went crazy at me. She said, "That's not Tom. Don't say things like that. That's horrible." I got right <laughs> bollocking for it. I was like, "No, it is. It genuinely is her. It is genuinely is him." And she went absolutely mental at me. She thought I was lying. She was like, "It's a horrible joke to play. I don't want to." I don't want to think of Tom on the motorbike having a crash. I was like, oh. yeah. Well, it was. And I'll yeah. actually put it in this week's Instagram post, if you like. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll put that in there. Yeah, yeah that was a... Uh... <laughs> 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 I'm sure she'll love that. Yeah, that was a, another early one into owning that bike. And it was, a, again, a learning curve, wet, damp road, coming down car comes the other way i thought it was a one-way road and i just i went to accelerate up the road there's a car coming the other way it's narrow so i hit the brakes and as as i do that i also go over a drain cover mm-hmm. and because i've just grabbed a handful of brake it's just whew, gone from underneath me hit the deck roll over that's it thing yeah. is um, no, snaps the gear linkage i had to ride home from i had to ride home about 20 odd miles with um with no like so I had the rod, but I didn't have the bit that sticks out that your toe goes under. So I had to like move my foot in and try and kick it up and down. That was all. Oh, nice. oh and I snapped my crash bung as well. Which I suppose it did its job, apart from letting me snap my toe thingy from a, a gear lever. Yeah. There's, um, there's that many, was the first of many crashes on that bike. I've had many times where there's been uh, debris like stones on the road where I've gone to turn a corner and there's been some stones and all, mm. of, all of a sudden my back tire has just kind of done a little skid and in that moment your heart drops because you're like well that's it that's me done I'm on the floor now mm. and somehow you're right the bike kind of corrects itself and it's okay I've had a couple of icy ones like that as well um, and it just kind of instills a little bit of fear for about 30 seconds and you kind of get your shit together and you're like, ah, oh, well, that was close, yeah. wasn't it? You know? <laughs> um, but there's one road around here. That's a, it's a road that takes me from the town I'm in now to another town where I go to the gym and I will never, ever go down that road if it's, if it's dark or anything because there's always, always, always stones and crap on one corner and it's caught me out so many times when my back tires just kind of slipped. And it's a yeah. really sketchy corner as well. It's very tight, and I just I, I just won't go down there if it's dark. I, I can't see, I can't see the road properly, so I don't know how fast I can go. I don't know where to go to avoid the the debris. 
I just leave it alone, basically. That's one tip I would say. If there's a bit that's frequently, you know, frequently causing you a problem, yeah. don't be a yeah, man. You know, leave it alone. Leave it alone. I was going to say, if you know it's shit, just leave it. Yeah. If it's shit, just leave it. There you go. Yeah, yeah. if you know a road's rubbish, then just don't go down. That's a simple one. Avoid it. But, you know, like, like I say, I've come off quite a few times. I had a lot of close calls. That's the biggest one, and biggest crash. You get used to it. Biggest crash. I mean, none of them have really been big. None of them have really hurt. Loads of them have been really silly. So a really good one was I left a friend's house later in the evening. We went out. Um, I think we then playing Call of Duty or something like that. Left at about uh, half 11 at night. So it wasn't massively late. But it was cold. There was, like a, there was a cold snap. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So there was a cold snap. And it, it, it like you know the road sparkles because it's quite cold? Yeah. And I just jumped on my bike. And I was like, yeah, I'm going home. And I, I just raced down the road. And I, there's a right-hand junction. And I'd normally tip it in at about 30. So it's a speed limit 30. Karen doing 30. Just counter-steer heavily. Put a lot of pressure on that right-hand bar, as you would have learned from the other week. And just drop it in and go around the corner and away we go. Cold tyres, because I hadn't ridden for many hours. Cold road, because of, like, say, it got dark. Sun went down. The weather. Cold snap. Yeah. Um, just no grip at all. And just the back end just span around on me. And, uh, yeah, on the floor. And uh, I remember, actually, some woman did come out. She came running out of house. Are you okay? Are you all right? Yeah, yeah I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, just took me by surprise. That's all sure. Oh, Okay, good, good. I've got a Ducati. <laughs> you must be careful. Yeah, yeah. I am a Ducati. Yeah, it can be a bit of a handful sometimes. All right. See ya. And then ran back inside. Oh, that's I, was like, nice. I think she just wanted to tell me that she had a Ducati. That was all she, <laughs> she came out yeah, to tell me, those, really. Yeah. So I picked it up and then I rode home. Um, I think I broke. Mark broke a lever and a, an indicator. And I'll a tell peg. you about a silly one. The first ever problem I ever actually had was a very silly one. And oh, yeah. I, I must have been on the bike maybe a couple of weeks. And we decided, I drove down to yours. We were going to Portsmouth to go to that lookout place, that little hill that overlooks Portsmouth. Oh, we yeah. sit there with our bikes and we're going to be cool. Oh, well, that was a good one. Uh, that and was a good we one. Go, a beauty. We stop off by Lumi's Cafe. That was was that the Cafe Corner last week? That was Cafe Corner, yeah. So yeah. Uh, Lumi's yeah, we Cafe. Went, so we stopped. Went off by there. Bell Hill in Petersfield. If anyone goes to Lumi's frequently, divert to Bell Hill in Petersfield. Go up and down the hill. It's a very nice bit of road. Is that the? Is Carry that where on. we stopped to take a photo? That's where we stopped on the hill where there has that oh, hairpin at the bottom. Beautiful. That's that a good little road, isn't it? Absolutely it's a good beautiful. Road. Yeah, I really like that bit of road. We need to go there now that I'm a bit more experienced because I, mm. I'd, I'd had hardly any experience on the bike by this point, and we decided to do a couple of hours on the bike. So we stop off at Lumi's. Uh, I think we had some chips or something, had a nice drink. Mm-hmm. Right, we're going to Portsmouth. You know, another I'm going to do like forty minutes on the bike or something. I don't know, half an yeah, hour. Yeah, um, It was going well. As we as we're arriving near our destination, there's a big roundabout. The good thing about big roundabouts is they're not, you don't have to lean so much. There's literally nothing wrong with a big roundabout. It's not like a small roundabout where they're a bit 
fiddly sometimes. A big roundabout, there's plenty of space. Very hard to get wrong. However, on my CBT and hardly any biking experience, as I go round the roundabout, the the exit was just, it was a bit more than a right-hand turn. Like, it, it was just a bit off-centre. Um, <laughs> so as I'm going round, I'm like, that's where the exit should be. But I need to turn a little bit more. However, I didn't turn a little bit more. I hit the curb, I mounted the grass, and I just kept going. I just kept going. I, I don't know how long I kept going for. Maybe like, what, 50 metres, 100 metres? It, well, it probably wasn't 100. It was, it was definitely, it was up to 50, up to yeah. 50 metres. I felt like it was a long way, and there was a big <laughs> line in the grass. And I'm just going along. And for some reason, I, I just, I released the throttle, but I didn't press the brakes because I thought if I press the brakes, I might slide down and, and hurt myself on the grass. I don't know why I thought that would be bad. Um, and I'm going along, I'm going along, and the bike's slowly stopping. And there's a lamppost in front of me. Instead of moving out of the way of the lamppost, I just carry on going directly at it. I don't think that was the path I was taking. But I think because I was looking at the lamppost, I went straight for it. And I stopped within about an inch or two of the lamppost what you were very close to hitting it it probably yeah. was yeah it was only a couple of inches that you hit it but that that is a classic case of target fixation 100 percent. if you ever heard of the term so target fixation if you haven't heard of it is where you you look where you want to go and commonly what happens especially with motorcyclists happens with people on bicycles as well is you look at the thing you don't want to hit and so you hit it so the key thing is if you are experiencing target fixation you'll be going along there'll be a corner and you'll there'll be a tree or in this case a lamppost and you go oh, i don't want to hit the lamppost so you stare at the lamppost because you don't want to <laughs> hit it you're worried about it you're like, oh, oh there's a lamppost oh god i don't want to hit that lamppost and you're looking at it you're looking at it you're getting intimate with the lamppost you're staring at it you're knowing all of its features that you don't want to hit but because you're looking at it you're not telling the rest of your body to not hit it so yeah. immediately your 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 bars then one you know your your hands follow what your eyes look so you're, you know, you're now making the movements to go towards that thing. And, uh, you know, a lot of people can break. We'll just try and break, outbreak it. But typically they don't have the space to outbreak, you know, to stop before they hit the thing. Uh, but in this case, you had so long, <laughs> you, you didn't break. And you just went bump up. I don't even know how you went up that little ridge or whatever it was. You went, yeah. you bumped off the road onto the grass and you just you just carried on going straight, straight, straight to the lamppost. <laughs> and it was literally almost a perfect straight line to the lamppost and then you stopped a few inches before it. So like, yeah. I think the, the key thing is, it, it was hilarious and we laughed about it. But um, the key thing with, with target fixation is if you think you're going to hit something, stop fucking looking at it and look yeah. around the corner as to where you want to go. Because oh, that, that's the, that's the biggest thing. Look where you want to go. And if you think you're going to crash into it, stop looking at it because you yeah. probably will. If you think you're going to crash into it, you probably are, to be honest. If you think, I'm going to crash into that, you've then only got a couple of seconds to then fix that or you are going to crash into it. And I've got a lot better <laughs> it. I've never done it since that day. I've had close calls where I'm like, oh, wait, no, I am going to crash into that. And then because the bike's so nippy, you can just quickly turn out of it and... Mm. It's it's not so bad. It's not like a big sports bike that might take a little bit more of a flick to take out of of of, of the passage that it's going. Um, mm. the, 
the, the Grom, you literally just kind of flick it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, probably shouldn't do that. Um, it's uh, that, it's like that, that thing that with was... counter steering though. Like once you know about it, you know to do it or not to do it. So like yeah. rooftop fixation, once you know about it, you know not to do it. But also, if you know about counter steering, you know how to use counter steering to help you with target fixation and how not to hit that thing. Yeah, I'm I'm happy that it happened to me very early on because mm. it was like, oh yeah, don't do that. That's a silly idea. Um, and I, I, I've never really done it since. I've had somewhere I'm like, oh, you're being an idiot. But I've never had anything where I'm like, oh no, you know, I'm actually about to crash. Mm. Um, right. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think sometimes say, lots, lots, you of, need... lots of silly learning things. Yeah. Hmm. I, I was because just I lucky think... that it wasn't a wall um, and it was like a bit of grass and then a lamppost. A lamppost. Yeah. yeah. But the speed I was going, I would have kind of hit it and then just kind of like bumped off it because I was going I was going nothing by the time I got there. Yeah. Um, but the we, thing. What, what, and, what and actually, I would say... Hmm? Uh, I was just going to say what happened after that. Uh, we, we carried on. The there was a little lay by, reduced we, rate. Yeah, uh, we, we, oh, okay, we, yeah, yeah. There's a little lay by. We, we stopped. We had a little, we had a little chat. It's like that was that was stupid, wasn't it? And then just carried on, carried on, carried on there. They I were, hit the, we I hit the highest speed carousel. I've ever hit on the motorbike that day. Oh, yeah, yeah, 71 yeah, you, miles an you, hour. You were going some that day. Yeah, we, I think we're going on dual carriageway. Up and down. Yeah. We're going on dual carriageway. We're going downhill. And I was I was I was right behind you trying to get that that slipstream. And um yeah, full yeah, tuck. Slipstreaming, yeah. And yeah. I looked down, it was seventy one. I've never been able to reach seventy ever again. Beauty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need to find a big old hill. Yeah. So I think we should just have some we'll do some key takeaways and then we'll move on to one of the most exciting bits of the podcast. But uh Basically, it's, you know, everyone does make mistakes. Everyone does have crashes. I mean, not, not everyone. I've met some, some people that, that haven't, you know, had a crash on their bike, have been bloody close to it. But, you know, most people, especially if you start young, you probably are going to have a, a wobble or two. The key thing is do it slowly and, you know, build up your, your skills and try not to, to run before you can walk because, you know, that can, that can end in some, um, you know, some have tragic consequences. So, just work your way up, build up slowly, try and make yourself the, the best rider you can and always be, um, you know, ride defensively, not aggressively. That's what I'd always say. Nice. But um, yeah, so I, I think that's it. And that, that's, that's quite good. Again, you know, fingers crossed, we've both been pretty, pretty lucky with getting away, <laughs> getting away with everything. And um, uh, the other thing is just put miles on, on your bike, get some time in the seat and just practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Many miles. So, um, is, is, yeah. It's a good Should thing. We, uh, in all weathers to, uh... as well. In all weathers. Oh yeah, yeah. If because you, you don't want to be caught out one you. day. You don't want to be caught out. You, you always ride when it's a nice sunny day. You never take it out when it's wet, and you've been doing that for mm. you know one summer, and then one day you take that bike out and you get caught in that that horrible, horrible. We've all had times where it's been nice and sunny in the morning, and it's just torrential rain on the way home. And mm. and you know yeah, you that... need to be you need to be equipped to deal with those situations. Yeah, like, I mean, I mean, fair enough if you're a fair, fair weather rider, if you will. Like, I don't, I don't mind that. Like, fine if if biking's just a bit of fun for you, then you know, or you like bikes, but you don't want to go out in the wet. I appreciate that. That's you know, that's fine. 
But if you think, oh, I really want to get good at riding, get time in the sea. And then, you know, if the weather doesn't look particularly nice, just go out anyway. Yeah. Because actually, I know a lot of people who, um, actually, I, I use my girlfriend as an example, Georgie. She bought her bike for fun, only took out, you know, on the weekends and stuff when it was nice, maybe to work if it was a nice day. Um, and, you know, she was a re- reasonably good rider, but it wasn't until she started commuting and riding the bike every single day through all weathers. And, like, I remember I didn't ride with her for a while because we'd commute different ways and we just sort of didn't go out on the weekends on the bike because we were doing other things. And then when we went out together, I thought, bloody hell, she got quick. And it was because she was putting all that time on the bike in all kinds of weathers. So when we went out together, when it was nice and sunny out, she was miles better than she was before. So that's yeah. the thing as well. Is put some time in the seat because you'll, you'll get much, much better. Yeah. When you're like, oh, I can do this. I can do, I can push my bike to this limit in the rain when the weather's not so good. Then you're like, oh, when the weather's nice, my bike can do mm-hmm. a lot more than I thought. If, yeah. if this is how it is in, in, in the rain. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Right. I'm, uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't really like to dwell too much on the, the negatives. So uh, no. I'm looking for a bit of positivity in my life. Have we got any, uh, got any particularly bikey, shouty, outy, kind of weeky kind of things for me? Um, no. No, I don't. You said you had an absolute beauty of a bike shout out of the week. I do. I do indeed. Uh, I got double people, bluff. For a split second, people are thinking the best part of the podcast and he's not even prepared. Of course I am. Of course I am. And this is the all-important time. It's the bike shout-out of the week. Bike shout-out of the week. Thank you very much. And this week, it's an absolute belter. A vehicle with great handling and a rotary engine? No, not the RX-7. We're a motorbike podcast. I'm talking Oh, no. You always bloody interrupt me. (laughs) We are a motorbike podcast. I'm talking about a five-cylinder, 14-brake horsepower that sat in the front wheel. Uh, 14-brake horsepower engine that sat in the front wheel. That's what I'm supposed to say. This week's bike shout-out of the week is the Megola. A what? A Megola. You know, when you said rotary, there was one bike I was thinking of, and I've got a poster of it on my wall. Okay, well, we're not going to interrupt me. Um, So this week's bike shout-out of the week... Is the Megola? This How do you legendary M E G O L A. Megola. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. This legendary vehicle, produced in Germany between 1921 and 1925, had its engine in its front wheel. The cylinders themselves what? span at six times more the RPM of the front wheel. Oh, of of the wheel itself. Meaning, whilst the s- cylinders maxed out at 3,600 RPM, the wheel itself only put out 600 RPM when reaching its full potential. It could reach speeds of 60 miles per hour and its engine being placed on the front wheel gave it a low centre of gravity so it handled like a beauty. To so, start hang it on, up... Hang on. It was front-engined and front-wheel drive? Yes. That sounds like the worst thing ever, especially start, with a motorbike. Just let me bloody finish. To start it up, you had to put the bike on a stand and manually <laughs> spin the front wheel. Around 2,000 of these guys were made, and only about 15 genuine pieces exist today. This is a joke, isn't it? It's not a joke. You have to put it on a stand and spin the front <laughs> you, wheel. You put it on a stand, and you spin that front wheel, give it some welly, <laughs> you know, and it will uh, start the bike up. 
So uh, is a rotary engine like a, like an RX-7? Like a no, Dorito? not like an RX-7. Different. It wasn't Dorito style. I think it was called rotary because it literally just span on the front wheel. It, oh. it, it's not the same style of. Do engine. you mean? Do you mean radial? No, it's, it was definitely called rotary. Because sometimes they get mixed up. No, but a radial engine. It was a hundred percent rotary. Yeah, but let me just tell you what a radial engine is. So a rotary engine is like this is how I see it, and it might I might be wrong, and you're probably right. It is called a rotary engine, but a rotary is like an RX seven. It's like a a Dorito in an oblongy shaped thing and it yeah. goes bad 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 yeah. bad bad and kind of sounds two stroke esque. A radial engine yeah. is like normal pistons that you'd have in a normal four stroke engine. No triangles, just normal pistons, but they're arranged in a circle as opposed to being arranged in a line. No, so this is a rotary engine. It was the first ever rotary engine and it was called a rotary engine. However, when the like RX-7 rotary engine come out, they called that mm-hmm. a rotary engine. They just took the Okay, so what, what type of rotary is this? It's it's five individual cylinders around the wheel. Oh, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a radial, like a plane engine. But I understand what you mean by rotary because it rotates and spins, yeah? Indeed. Interesting. I'll tell you what, that's actually, it sounds like a work of comic book. Anyway, that was Kong's bike shout out of oh, the shout week. Shout out of the week. Uh, as always, I just give you a little snippet of a cool and interesting bike I've found. If you want to do some more research, you can. If not, it's just something fun, I guess. Um, mm, this one has this been week. the most interrupted, to be fair. He's he's interrupted me every step of the way in my bike shop. Hang on, don't, don't hate and this a man one, for asking questions. This, this one is the most interrupted there's ever been, so I apologise to the listeners for that. You can't you can't give a man an appetite for, you know, for knowledge and curiosity and then shoot him down. I know, it's I'm hard. interested. I'm interested. It, it's hard to resist when you hear about someone putting their bike on a stand and spinning the front wheel just to get it yeah. started. Yeah. I, I, I tell you what, I'm blown away. Hmm. Talking about I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to go talking about an inquisitive man, a man who wants to yeah. know more. Yeah. Why don't we have something that will play on our minds, something we can think about? Have you got a cryptic so for us this can, week? I do have a cryptic for you this week. It's exactly the same as last week, and I'll read it for you again. <clears throat> I bought a sweet potato from America. It just keeps telling me jerks. I bought a sweet potato from America. It just keeps telling me jerks. Answers. Jokes. Jokes, yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm from Yorkshire originally. Answers <laughs> on our Instagram page, slide in our DMs, write on our posts, leave us a review on iTunes, and you can put your answer in there. Just get your answer to us any way we see it. And I think I think we're gonna we're gonna leave it there. Yeah, thank you for listening. Tell us what you think over on our Instagram, Wheelie Good Times Podcast, or leave a review on iTunes. I'm Kong. And I'm Tom. Ride safe and have a wheelie good time. Wheelie good time. Wow, wow, wow. Bye.